Welcome to Providence Cares, a podcast about overcoming obstacles and finding hope. We're sharing stories of compassion, justice, and our mission to provide health for a better world. Joining me today is special guest Rosie Mercado, correspondent on leading Spanish language networks Telemundo and Univision, as well as on the Emmy award-winning shows such as Dr. Phil and The Doctors. Today, we're taking a deep dive into the topic of mental health and the Latino population. Thanks for joining me, Rosie. So Rosie, I think most people know your story, but those for, for those listening who don't, can you tell us just a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Uh, you know, through, through lots of failures, through lots of failures and not giving up and not taking other people's criticisms to heart, um, developing thick skin and just a really, really strict and strong purpose of why I wanted to do what I wanted to do in my life from losing 220 pounds to becoming a plus size model to then going into becoming a TV host and now author. So it's been a wild journey of lots of discipline, hunger to grow, persistence to keep going, and also a growth of understanding who I am, what my values are, and how I'm consistently feeling on a day-to-day basis and checking in with myself and just understanding what my needs are and and having that compassion and love for myself to, to take no's, to say yes to life, and then to create boundaries. It's, it's interesting, Rosie. I mean, I've known you for so long now that when I was like, hey, I want to talk to you about mental health, I didn't know whether I wanted to talk about weight loss, whether I wanted to talk about relationships, whether I wanted to talk about <laughs> being a host. Like, there were so many topics with you. But the thing that really kind of resonated with me was you've talked publicly about being married at 19, having a child, and then being left to raise that child on your own. That has to have taken a pretty heavy toll on you at such a young age. How did that affect your mental health? Um, you know what? I think it's not just being married at a young age because you're so inexperienced and coming from the Latino community, you are raised to get married and you don't get divorced. Like you stick it through uh, regardless of what that looks like. Um, and for me, getting married, for me, it what it meant what I thought, what Rosie thought growing up from Latino parents who are married for over 40 years, have a successful business together, have a family monthly, you know, yearly, you know, uh, family, family traveling and just a lot of quality time going to church, paying it forward, helping um, just really strong, strong family values like divorce didn't exist. Like nobody else in my family was divorced. So here I go. Uh, married, you know, partner number one gets separated before I have my daughter. I'm 19. He's 20 years older than me. The roller coaster ride of thinking that that was my forever and then figuring out that that wasn't. And then on top of it, at a young age, not having the experience and then being pregnant and doing it alone created, created a lot of distrust, a lot of anxiety, a lot of sadness, a lot of questioning my value why why did i deal with that why did i get that hand you know why did i get that handed um to me why did he do what he did uh why was i abandoned and then on top of it you know no woman is going to get together with a partner for that matter no human being is getting together with someone to say hey let's just get together for t- a little bit and then like off you go like that's nobody's plan ever at the end we just want to be loved and have a healthy relationship and grow from there And the problem with me is that I never recovered from that one. I jumped into my next relationship and my next relationship, I've been married and divorced a couple times because I didn't know how to be by myself. I didn't know how to deal with the mental, the mental problems that came with that, that the insecurities that it created, the low self-esteem that it impacted and also my self-worth, like my self-respect, my self-worth, like it really took a toll because I thought that I was unloved, uh, that I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't lovable. You know, who's going to want to get married to a, a Mexican woman that's been married several times? I thought that my self-worth was just out the door. So I'd take anything that was given to me when it came to relationships. And then being a parent on top of myself when I'm not healthy mentally, um, spiritually, emotionally, like if you're not there, then how are you going to be there for your kids? So the stress of not knowing what the hell I was doing as a parent and then not knowing what I was doing with my life and then not knowing how to deal with my emotions and not having someone to talk to about it and not knowing that there's resources out there that, of people that can help you. Because I grew up being Latina where you don't talk about depression. You don't talk about mental health. And it's not my parents' fault because nobody talked to them about them. They weren't educated about that. So right, right. 
I think that's that's so important to be able to create this conversation because people are either committing suicide, you know, they're going through deep depression, um, you know, they think that it's only happening to them. And trust me, when you open up and you walk your authentic truth, um, sometimes it becomes so hard for people to be able to do that because they're afraid of rejection, they're afraid of criticism. They they think we're that we're gonna look crazy if we open up and say, Hey, I'm feeling depressed, like there's something wrong with you. Or if you say that you want to go talk to someone that is a psychologist or someone in therapy or someone that could actually help you, like automatically you're, you're seeing like there's like there's de- definitely a mental issue with you that you know you're sick. Like there's something completely wrong with, and it's not. It's seeking help, trying to figure out what's going on with you, so you can become a better human being and deal with the issues that you're doing, dealing with, and understand yourself. Because when you don't understand yourself and you don't have um, a good mental health and you don't have proper self-esteem, healthy self-esteem, your decisions in your life are based off of low self-esteem, low, you know, low self-love. Like everything is a spiral effect of how you're feeling about yourself and your mental state. It is all our life is reflecting back at you exactly the way you feel. And that is why it's so important to take care of that side of it. It's interesting you talk about kind of the Latino culture because, uh, you know, everybody I've talked to in that space who has actually gone through a mental health transformation says, actually, one of the hardest parts was not accepting that I had it. It was talking to my family about it because my family thought that that meant that they had done something wrong or that they were weak or that I was blaming them for my issues. Do you see that a lot in your culture? Yeah, I see consistently that. And I think it's the old school Latino culture that whatever happens to your kids or whatever bad decisions they make, it's the parents' fault. It's because you didn't raise them properly. It's because you didn't do something right. And the issue with that is that that is not a truth. We are own human beings. We have our own mind. We have our own issues sometimes that we don't address, that we don't know what's going on. And again, we're making decisions based off our mental state, our mental emotions, our, you know, um, our psychological well-being or not well-being and sometimes we're not even aware of it because we're not educated we just know something isn't right or you don't feel happy or you feel depressed but you don't know how to describe it or put it into words and when you can't even talk to your family about that because you feel a sense of i don't want to make them feel bad i don't and or i don't want them to say like oh, you're gonna get okay just get over it like it's just it, you're fine just stop thinking about it and just keep go go to work go go deal with it somewhere else Instead of saying, like, are you listening to me like there's something wrong and not taking offense that I did something wrong. It, it has nothing to do with your parents doing something wrong. It has nothing to do. It's just taking personal responsibility of, as a human being of saying, look, I don't know what it is. I just I don't feel happy or there's an issue going on and I just can't. I don't know how to describe it. I need help. Just saying I need help is such a huge step in the Latino community and in, in talking to your parents because you don't want to worry them if they're older, if they're old school, you don't want to worry them. You don't want them to think like I could have done something better. No, you just, you don't want to go through the judgment phases. You don't want to go through the guilt phases. You just really want help. And when your parents aren't educated in that, um, and they're built to like, keep going strong, you know, uh, if something happens, just you got to go through it and look, pull up your bootstraps, right? Yeah, put on your big up, girl pants and go. Yeah. yeah. Pull, up, pull up your big girl pants, no crying, stick it through, tough it out um feelings are meant to be felt and i think it's only natural only human and only healthy to address good feelings and to address the bad feelings because they're meant to be felt and it tells you i think it it really gives you perspective of where you are in your life and you can't help other people and you can't be present with other people when you're not present with yourself you gotta, you gotta come from a, a, a glass that's full, not half, you know, half empty. Or, you know, I, I just really feel like it's so important to be able to create that conversation and just come from an understanding, not judgment. Because also, when we talk about this, I feel like a lot, a lot of Latinos like go back and say, "Well, you know, my parents, you know, judge me, um, or they didn't want to talk about it, or they they brushed it under the rug." Well, you have to take in consideration is that, and it's not an excuse they weren't educated that way either. They weren't talked, nobody talked to them and saying, hey, are you okay? Let's look for a therapist. Let's look for someone that can help you. They were just taught the same way that they're teaching you. Suck it up, put on mm-hmm. your big girl panties, keep on going, that's life, tough, life is tough. You're gonna have, to have ups and downs, deal with it. It's not fair. That's the excuses, but you just have mm-hmm. to have compassion and understanding. And maybe along the way, you can teach your parents on how to handle, maybe they're dealing with emotions as well. And you could be a guided point that as you heal and you seek, you could help them as well. 
I think I think you're right. I mean, we have to start somewhere, right? And I feel like the younger generation has started to see that mental health isn't necessarily a stigma, right? It's okay to talk about, but yeah. we need to actually go backward. I agree with you. And I think sometimes we even laugh too. We say, it's okay to not be okay. But you said, you know, just saying I'm not okay or I need help is important. I think it's the asking other people too, are you okay, right? Like, do you feel like people, especially in your culture, are receptive to that? If you do say, hey, it seems to me like maybe you're struggling or how are you doing? Do you do you get actual responses or do you just get the I'm fine? No, I think everybody asks, hey, how are you doing? Because it's normal. Everybody asks, like, how's your day going? Oh, it's going good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Everybody knows to say okay. I think the hard part is people don't know how to authentically describe what they're feeling. I think describing what you're feeling and really sitting down with yourself and like, what am I feeling? Am I okay? Asking yourself that first. And then when you are with your loved ones, if they genuinely ask you like, I'm okay. Having the courage to say, you know what? I don't think I'm okay. I don't know exactly what's going on, but, and then if they just sweep it under the carpet where they say like, oh, okay. You know, and they go into the next subject, like, hold on. You just asked me if I'm okay, and I just told you that I'm not okay. Why are you like disregarding that? Understanding and standing up and validating your own emotions so other people understand that you understand what they ask, but they're not understanding your response. I think that is an important conversation to have because too many people sweep those emotions under the carpet and they don't pay attention to them. 100% agree with you. 100%. So, you, you've kind of become an advocate for it and you're very vocal about it, but how did you actually get started on your own mental health journey? Like, how did you start healing? Uh, you know what? Hitting rock bottom and understanding that I had the responsibility of three kids and just understanding that I was just sick and tired of feeling the way that I was feeling. Um, I wasn't, and everything was manifesting with my kids, with my relationships, with my body, with the decisions I was making in business. Like it, it was just going downhill. And the problem was that as everything is a reflection of you. Like life reflects back at you, how you're feeling, how you're, how you're doing. Like I started paying attention that I just, I felt anxiety. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt moments of sadness. There was moments I just start crying. Like these emotions were so strong that my body was trying to deal, deal with them. It got to a point where I got sick that I got a cyst in my brain and I couldn't walk properly. And I think for me, that was like the last straw of saying, when am I going to address? Because now my emotions are manifesting in a physical sickness and paying attention to saying, all right, do I really want my life to end this way? And what's going to happen to my kids if I don't take care of me and what's going to happen if I'm gone? And did I really just go through all this stuff, all these moments to end up here? taking personal responsibility for what I created and forgiving myself for my bad choices was the first step. I literally had to write down the things that I did not like about myself, the bad decisions that I made and say, and say like to myself in the mirror, I take responsibility for allowing this, for giving this person permission, for allowing this person to treat me this way. I forgive myself for not creating boundaries I forgive myself for not paying attention to my mental, uh, my mental health, the emotions that I'm feeling. And I wrote down, what am I feeling? Angry, upset, uh, frustrated, sad, disappointed, fearful. I started putting descriptive words to my emotions to really understand where they were coming from. And after I wrote that down, I decided to start with simple things, things that I could just do every single morning, the me time, even if it started with five minutes, waking up a little bit earlier than my kids to have five minutes to be able to meditate, take a deep breather, release. Then from there, I started exercising. And I'm not talking about hardcore exercise. I'm talking about just taking walks, making sure that I was taking care of myself. From there, paying attention to things that make me happy. What are the things that make me happy? Spending quality time with my kids, painting, listening to music, and having meaningful conversations with the people that I love. And that for me was the start. That was just the start. But it was the writing of the emotions and my thoughts on paper because I didn't know how to verbalize that. And I didn't have the people around me that I could talk to openly about that that would understand that. 
It's really important what you just said there, Rosie, because we find that most people who actually complete suicide, it's because in that moment, they think there is no way to get past the decision they've made or the thing they've done or the way they feel. And if they could just get through that one night, right, that one hour, that one five minute period, they they could actually get there. And it, it is really interesting that that hope is what you really need. And your way of kind of journaling is so important. And I think people really don't necessarily understand that. But even the little things you talked about taking a walk, right? Like those are little moments that we can handle that we are in complete control of. Um, who, who kind of taught you to do that? Was that self-taught or did you learn that somewhere? You know what? I think uh, growing up, my dad was a big self, you know, uh, he really believed in, in investing in yourself and constantly taking courses. And what I took from that is I never paid attention to the stuff that he did until I hit rock bottom. And it was in seeking of reading of books, constantly looking for education that really the self-improvement, like spiritually, mentally, emotionally, being able to read and understand that. And that for me was what I, where I started learning and then paying attention how I'm feeling. Like I can't, I cannot push how strong it is to pay attention to your emotions. Ask yourself, how are you feeling? And what are those feelings? Where are the, you know, do you feel anxiety in your stomach? Do you really, you know, do you feel sadness? Like understanding on a day-to-day basis, checking in with myself, where am I at? And being able to sit with myself and say, okay, I really need someone that I need to talk to. And I think back then, honestly, if I knew all the resources that are out now, if I knew back then what I know now, I think my outcome would, I would have stepped into success a lot quicker. I would have stepped into, you know, emotional success of really taking care of my body, mind, and soul, because there's so much out there. And I think if we could just have the courage of taking the shame out of what we feel and pick up the phone, whether it's to an on, you know, to to a 1-800 number, writing an email to someone, you know, reaching out to someone in that way, reaching out to a friend, um, finding a community that understands what you're going through. If I had that back then, it would, I would be in a whole different place. And I think the biggest thing from this, that if, if you're listening right now and you're struggling with your emotions and your mental health, and you are ashamed to talk about it with someone close because you're afraid of rejection, that they're not going to see you in the same way. They're not going to understand you. They're going to brush it under the carpet, or they're going to tell you that you're crazy. I want to invite you to have the courage to love yourself enough to take that first step and pick up the phone, get on a website, look for a community, pick up a book, do something for yourself that you will appreciate months later. I promise you that if you have the courage to start, just to pick up the phone, to, to reach out to someone, and it doesn't have to be someone that you know in your family. Um, Look for the resources. I have always seen when you ask, you shall receive. You have to be the creator of your success in your own life. It is your responsibility to take control of your life, your mental health, your emotions, everything that involves you. Because at the end of the day, the longest relationship that you will have in your life is the one with yourself. Absolutely. It's interesting, Rosie. I that's what I hear from most people when we talk to them about, you know, how they got started was that they didn't know there were all these resources and, you know, our program work to be well. Um, that's the whole point behind it is free resources, right? It's everything you need to manage anxiety and depression and substance abuse and eating disorders and all these things. And it is hundred percent free. And I think people are under this kind of misguided notion that if I don't have health insurance, I can't get behavioral health care. Right. But you're right. Sometimes it's just calling your mom or your cousin or somebody who you can relate to. Um, but, that actually leads me into my next question to you, which is another thing we do here, especially from the Latino community and the African-American community is, I can't find a behavioral health person that looks like me or understands me or has my background or really I can relate to. Did you find that issue when you were looking for, for resources? I think that issue still exists now. I think it's not that, I mean, back then, I first of all, back then, I didn't know that the resources existed. That was number one. Number two, I think right now with the Latino community, one of the things that we deal with, and I know, and I know this because I've heard it directly from uh, friends of family that, you know, they're afraid to look for resources, number one, because they might be undocumented. Number two, because they're Latino and it's like, it doesn't exist in our culture to get treatment or to seek help. Um, number, number three is because 
someone doesn't understand or doesn't know how to speak the language. Therefore, they just give up in its entirety. So I think it's so important that there are resources in English and Spanish. There are people that are out there fighting for us. And that you know what, regardless of background, there are good human beings that have compassion, that have purpose, that are willing to help you. And if you can't find the answers, I think reaching out, as long as you start the reach out, you will start getting connected on how many free resources there are. Um, I think also there's a mentality that if I'm going to help get help and if I don't have the money, then I can't get help. Economics play play another play another role in that. So I think just understanding that there are free resources and and taking all that stigma out of it, I think will number one, listening to this conversation will empower people to understand like, Hey, if I just look, I'm going to find. 100%. I think, you know, obviously we've mentioned it, the work to be well.org slash wellness resources. You can always start there. You can find resources in your local area, but I think what's really important is to acknowledge that there is still this gap, right? There are still, you know, lack of behavioral health therapists and providers that are African-American that are Latino, that are Asian American. And Providence is really focused on kind of what we call, you know, bridging that gap, that cultural gap. Um, but it's hard because there's a lot of institutional issues as to why we don't have, you know, uh, Latino care providers. It's expensive to go to school. There aren't a lot of educational opportunities in key areas, right? Like it has to be something we as a society start to fix. And I don't necessarily know how we get there, but I think that it starts with acknowledging that it exists. And I think you're 100% right for that. I, I, acknowledging that it exists and also inspiring people that if they know that as a Latino, you know, as an African-American, like if you know that there's not enough people out there doing this, maybe you're inspired to start start the journey, be, be the help, be the invitation of light to be able to create that because we need, we need more people that speak the language, that look like us, that make us feel, you know, welcome and home, that saying, hey, we're here to help. We're not here to judge. We're here to help. And I think that's one of the best things about Providence is that you guys are creating the conversation that a lot of people are afraid to talk about. They're afraid to talk about, get the information out and just come from a place of understanding that this is an issue. This is an issue. And you guys are extending, you know, your hands open to say, hey, not only are we creating this conversation, but we're willing to help. I totally agree. We'll be back with more on this great topic in just a moment. mentioned in in your book you talk about making a physical transformation just not your mental health journey but physical but talk to me about how getting healthy affected your mental health and the reason I'm, I'm fascinated by this is I know in Latino culture a lot of it's about food right and a lot of it's about uh like our our aunties take it a person you know they take it personally if you don't eat the food that they if every family gathering tends to be about food how did you handle that and how did you handle kind of the familial side of it and then the mental health side of it you know I, I had a hard time at the beginning because I, I, I'm very public. I got the gastric sleeve and I lost 220 pounds. The Latino community is like, well, we eat, we eat enchiladas, tortas, tacos, beans, rice. And I'm talking like, this food is good. Like it is delicious. So good. It's it why my thighs are still as big as they are, Rosie. <laughs> Girl, let me tell you, you sit at the table with your family that's like their form of showing love is like we sit together we eat and like i cooked for you with love like i made this for you and then you sit at the table and you're like 
I, I can't eat that because I physically, I just, it doesn't sit well in my stomach. It's not, not that I don't love the food. It's just mentally the way my relationship with food has changed and physically my relationship with food has changed. So at first it, I did go through a little bit of sadness because I felt a big disconnect because I would connect with other human beings, with my family through food. It wasn't through relation, personal relationship. It was through food. So I had to re-educate myself of saying, hey, look, I know that you cooked this and I love you. I, I can't eat this because it physically doesn't sit well with me. Creating a boundary, letting them know why was important for me. And then saying, but you know what? I'm going to sit with you and I want to have a conversation. It helped me really understand the power of connecting through communication, through physical touch, to being present. Like I became more present and connected with another human being based off of emotions rather than food. So it was a really big education. It was a big roller coaster ride because I really had to understand how throughout the years I was just like sit at the table, eat instead of like, hey, how, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Like really having that conversation. So it just opened up healthy relationships. And it taught me how to have boundaries and just come from a place of love when I said no and to respect my nose. It taught me how to respect myself. How about losing the weight? Did that did that have a mental health impact on you? Because I, I think, you know, I lost 120 pounds and I noticed that people treated me differently. I noticed that I had different perceptions of myself. I also noticed that I even became a little bit judgmental of people who were overweight, which was crazy because I'd been overweight my entire life. But it was like, I felt like if I could make that journey, other people could. But Tell me how that impacted you from like a, a personal perspective. Um, it taught me to have compassion. It taught me to have compassion and to learn to be humble. And I can agree that going through a weight loss journey, I started becoming judgmental at the beginning because I'm like, damn, they're eating a lot. And I'm like, who am I to say when I was eating the same amount? The difference is I got surgery. So I had to check myself. I had to check myself. And I had to be okay if someone wasn't ready to take on their health journey that I loved. I'm not talking about, you know, the public, like everybody is in their own journey. And if you want to lose weight, you choose to lose weight. If you're happy with your art, you are happy. I respect that. But I'm talking about the beginning of my journey. And as I was taking care of myself, I would get angry and frustrated with the people that I love because they weren't taking care of themselves. And I expected to everybody to be like, that was around me, close to me, to be doing the same thing. That's a, their own personal decision and journey. I had to learn to respect and, and respect their boundaries. It wasn't about respecting mine only. It's about respecting other people. Then I went through a phase that I lost the weight and I still saw myself as fat. Doesn't matter what I wore. I was buying clothes from my old size, even though they were baggy. I didn't feel comfortable in my new body. And I just, every, I would nitpick at my body. It's like my hips are still too big. And then I went through a big depression when I lost the weight of having sagging skin. The skin oh, that's the worst. The worst. Smell the constantly being bound up and I, I I just looked at my body and I'm like I went through all of this weight loss and my body looks horrible because the skin is just draping I mean pounds and pounds and pounds of skin so when people were judging me it's so hard to receive a criticism and a judgment and then on top of it be my own worst critic so I really had to work on my self-esteem and the way that I viewed myself and my perception of coming to a place of gratitude and saying, hey, you just lost 220 pounds. This is a journey. Like nobody told you that there's perfection at the end of that. My thought is I lose 120 pounds. Girl, I'm going to be fabulous. My body's going to be tight. I'm working out this much. And the reality is when you're 420 pounds, you've stretched your skin so much that even if you have muscle, it's not doable. So I had this, I had this perception of perfection that doesn't exist. And I really had to educate myself is, you are your best self today. You are an improved version of yourself. And day by day, live by that and understand that perfection doesn't exist. Learn to be grateful that you have a moving body, that you're healthy, that you're mentally capable of doing and making a decision that way. And just being grateful along the journey of getting on a bike, fitting in a vehicle, being able to run after my kids, giving birth at the age of 40, being able to run on a treadmill, the simple things that a lot of people take for granted. And then just saying, I got cellulite, I got thick thighs, and you know what? I got a big butt, and I got a small waist, and I don't have huge boobs, and you know what? Who gives a I am doing the things that I've never done in the past, and that for me is a win. It's so funny how you're right, the, the mental vision, like I thought, okay, I'm gonna lose the weight, and I'm gonna have like a perfect shape, 
And you know what? That weight doesn't come off in all the right places. Like I still have rolls of fat on my back. My thighs are still like twice the size of everything else. Like it is what it is, you know? Like, hello, like, hello. Oh, you shake your the, arms. The that bat wing for a while. That yeah. the loose skin right there. That for me, I'm like, I was hiding. I'm like, oh my god, can we get over this? Like I, I had to like Rosie, you gotta stop. Like literally, I'd look in the mirror and they're like, boom, 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 and I'm like, Rosie, stop, just stop. Yeah. I had to verbally say that stop putting yourself down and it's like really no no nobody's paying attention like you are pulling that energy in i was the one creating that so taking personal yep. responsibility of my mental health is the biggest game changer is the biggest it's the biggest moment in my life that i could take personal responsibility for what i'm thinking i'm feeling and what i'm putting out there because as a woman as a latina woman I have to acknowledge that I'm powerful in the decisions that I make and I'm powerful in what I accept. And that I am a mirror to my family, my friends, and my kids. And if I don't get my together for my own personal health, then how can I expect my kids to do any better? It's a reflection. I have to be okay when my my kids say, hey, I don't love myself or mom. I'm, I'm feeling like and be like, oh, you know what? I went through that. Hold on, what, do you, what exactly are you feeling? What, what are you feeling? being able to take a different stance than what I was taught. It's, it's so true that kids, it, it, that just touched me because I was, you know, I would go for a run in the summer and I would still wear a long sleeve shirt because my arms would jiggle and I had fat, exactly that hanging out of my bra. And my little cousin said to me one day, she's like, why are you wearing a long sleeve shirt? And I was like, she's like, aren't you hot? And I was like, oh, well, people don't want to see my jiggly arms. And she started to cry, Rosie. And I was like, what? And she was like, well, I need to lose all this weight. And now what you're telling me is even if I lose it, I'm not going to be happy. So why am I doing this? And I was like, oh, you've got to marry. You've got to stop. You've got to focus on the health side. It was a, it was an eye opener. You're right. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You saw me kind of see me jiggly. That's just what it is. So. You know yeah. what? It is what it is. And we have an opportunity to change whatever we don't like. So I've learned to just be very compassionate and learn to pay attention to my words that, you know, my kids are listening. And even if it's not my kids, someone else is listening. So as I'm like putting myself down, who else is receiving those words as a put down for their own body, for their own mental health? So I just learned to take responsibility because I would never want my daughter to say, hey, you know, if and ever she decides to go on a transformational journey, I wanna be her biggest supporter and say, Look, perfection doesn't exist. Transformation does. Mental health does. And I just want you to go through this journey being grateful that you have a body that's going to take you through that or that's taking you through life to achieve your goals. And just be grateful for that. And even now it's like my, you know, my daughter's plus size and she's beautiful. And it's like, look, baby, all I want you to do is work out for health, vitality, and energy not for weight loss. I've learned that. Like, don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't, don't torture yourself that way. Do it because of the feelings that you want to obtain when you eat something. What feelings do you want to obtain by having that food? Is it just like, oh, all right, took my anxiety away or is like, I'm, I'm giving my, my body energy. Like this is a source of, that's going to take me forward. It's going to give me clarity. So I've really educated myself on, on the relationship that I have and, and just be able to be a guide for her. And and, you know, hopefully when she, when she does have those moments, because there's some moments where she's like, mom, like, I hate my body. It's like, whoa, 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 let's, let's, let, let me hear you out. What are you feeling? Just go ahead, let it all out, let it all out. And what is it that you hate about it and why? And where's this coming from? And being able to understand that and just have that conversation because nobody really wanted to have the conversation with me. It was so quick. People were so quick to tell me to go kill myself or just judge me because of the things that I did. And it was very few people that I could actually talk about my emotions of what was going on in my transformation your daughter is absolutely stunning. Um, she's just, and I love, I follow her on social now and she's just got such a great personality too. Like she's, she's feisty. You can see it. Oh my God. I'm so proud of um, her because she's studying. She just got her associate's degree and uh, she's studying to be a, a, a pediatric psychologist. So it's like, it's uh, just, see, yeah, it's, she's, awesome. she's like, choosing to do it. I love it. Yeah. Um, she's choosing to, to go out there and, and do something, you know, and, and she absolutely loves it. So for me, it's, it's amazing to see the transformation and also like everything that I went through that she, she oh, learned. Lord. It makes me happy. I do. I do want to talk about Latina girls though, because 15% of Latina girls will have attempted suicide before the age of 18, not thought about it, not contemplated it, but attempted it. And it's a staggering number. And, and the reason it, it freaks me out is because that's the number that's reported, right? That's not necessarily that's what not we actually see. Number. 
Exactly. So, you know, I know that you you care so much about your community, and especially young girls. Tell me what advice you would offer them or what you would want to say to them as they're going through this struggle, because we know that they go through it because of their body. We know they go through it because of culture. We know they go through it because maybe, you know, their familial situation. What would you say to them? Um, I think the first thing is get get off of comparing yourself on social media. I really feel like that number is not a real number because social media is at such at a powerful high right now that you have TikTok, you have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram that's so image driven. We are just so easily swayed to compare ourselves at our lowest points to someone's highest point that maybe is not even reality. And I think understanding that you were number one uniquely created you have your own purpose and really understanding that you're valuable and that your emotions are valid and whatever you're feeling it's okay to feel but i think having having the understanding that it's okay to say that you're feeling a certain emotion, whether good or bad, whatever that emotion is, it is. And I think being able to have that if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to letting your family know what you're going through, before you make a decision that will impact your life um, and impact the people that love you, because I promise you there's people that do love you and love you very much. I think having that, that courage to reach out and just say, this is what I'm feeling, whether it's a friend, whether it's resources, there's so much out there on, on social media of real help. I think starting off with unfollowing people that live unrealistic lives and don't provide inspiration for you. I think as we get older, um, I think inspiration, regardless of age, is so important. Be careful what you're watching. Be careful what you're listening to. Make sure that what you're watching, you're listening, inspires you to become better and better. Um, uh, choose your friends wisely. Also, that's another thing. You know, your friends reflect back at you a little bit of your personality. Um, and, you know, if the if your friends are not listening or not taking the time to check in on you, um, do not respect your boundaries, do not respect you, um, are they really your friends? You know, understanding that. And then being purpose-driven, like finding what your passions, what makes you happy? Who are you when you're doing the things that you love? making sure that you're investing time in those things. So I think it's so important to start off at that young age because sometimes we have so many emotions that we don't understand. Um, but making sure that before before we compare ourselves to anybody else, understanding that social media is not real 100% of the time when we see all these like best moment pictures of everybody else and that everybody's life is completely different. We all have different lives. We have different purposes. We have different values. We have different outlooks in life. Just understand that you are uniquely created. You have a unique purpose and to focus on the things that make you happy. And I think starting off with that, I think is a huge, huge, huge step. Um, I think it's so important right now for people to really pay attention to our youth, um, provide resources, provide help, um, provide workshops, anything that could be provided that could really understand. Because I think when when you're a teenager and you don't understand your emotions, you don't know what to do with them. You don't know what to do with them. And if you're Latino and, and you're raised by a single mom or, you know, you're Latino with really hardcore Latino uh, values, old school values at that, I think sometimes it's so difficult to just say, hey, like I like this is going on at school or this happened to me through social media or I'm getting bullied or like this person's not respecting my boundaries or I don't know how to say no, or I just don't feel right. I think that conversation is so hard to create, to start. Um, and I think if we gave our Latino community, you know, our youth that opportunity to be, to just be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm not okay. Or, hey, like this happened and I don't know who to talk to and have those resources out. I think it would be such a huge step to avoid to at least help somehow to help our youth to not think that suicide is like that's that's the final result like that's that's the answer because it's not it's not you you talked about kind of the the familial you know um being strict or or that sort of thing do you think religion or faith plays a role in in mental health and the lack of, of girls seeking mental health treatment in the latin community 
Um, I think spirituality is, and, and, and religion is completely different for, for everybody. Um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm older and I come from, from, uh, you know, a, a religious background. Maybe my parents are, are very much people of faith and, and I've always respected that. Um, but I think it does play. Why? Because you're taught that, Hey, you have a problem, give it to God. Give it to God. God, God, God will help you. And, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. But I think that there are resources that we need help. You know, um, you know, I, I'm a big, strong. I'm a woman of faith, and I believe. You know, the word says, like, you know, seeking you shall find. Knocking the door, and the door shall open. Um, and I feel like it's wonderful to have a connection with God or whatever you believe in. Um, and it's wonderful to have faith. I think faith is very much important in life. But I also think that it's powerful to have a decision of saying, hey. You know, as much as I believe in God and how much I, you know, I have faith and how much I've grown with that and how much, you know, my culture has has shown me that. I also think that self-help is part of the, part of the equation and understanding that it's okay to seek help. It's okay to reach out and it's okay to to look for those resources without thinking that, hey, if I do this, like um, I'm committing a sin or you know, something bad is going to happen. And I think sometimes, sometimes that could play a role culturally. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think having faith, but also having strong reason of self, uh, a strong decision-making of like, Hey, I have faith, but I'm going to, I'm going to look for some help. I, I really need some help. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. We'll be back with more on this very fascinating topic in just a moment. Rip our memories off the wall All the special things I bought They mean nothing to me anymore But to you, they were everything we were They meant more than every word Now I know just what you love me for Take all the money you want from me Hope you become what you want to be Show me how little you care How little you care How little you care You dream of glitter and gold My heart's already been sold Show you how little I care How little I care How little I care My diamonds leave with you You're never gonna hear my heart break Never gonna move the dark ways Baby, you're so cruel My diamonds leave You know, one of the things we hear most from Latina girls when we talk to them about their mental health is just that they have really severe self-esteem issues. And so as somebody who your job is based on your looks, you, you, you've made a success out of it. Talk to me about whether you still have self-esteem issues, because I think people look at, at people like you and think perfection and your life must be great, but you must still struggle. Oh my goodness. I think as, as a human being, regardless of your age, I think that we have good days and bad days. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm the age 40. I've, I've, I've created a lot of success in my life. And throughout, throughout that I've had highs and I've had lows. And that's why I I've said at the beginning of this conversation, it is so important as a human being, regardless of your background, your religious faith, your thoughts, people's criticism. It is so important to take that personal decision and self-responsibility of checking in with yourself on a daily. How am I feeling? What's going on? What are my thoughts? Being aware, being present of your thoughts because your thoughts create your reality. And if you're not in a good place mentally, um, it's gonna it's gonna reflect in your relationships and your business and your future and everything that you do. And I think it's so, so important to just understand that 
it's a day by day journey and it's growth and it gets easier as you work on yourself and become better. It's easier to pinpoint what's going on. It's easier to describe the emotions and you start becoming, you start having a better relationship with yourself when you acknowledge and take that personal responsibility. So, you know, I think we're just, we're, we're constantly on a journey from the moment that we live to the moment that we die. We are on a journey of self-discovery, self-responsibility for our lives and for our emotions and our physical and mental well-being. So I think it's so important to develop that relationship with ourselves, but it takes that decision-making and understanding of that. Well, I think it's important for us to own it, but I think it's important for us to have a, a support network too. So I would ask you, Rosie, who who's there for you when you go through hard times? Who's your support network? Oh, I've learned a support network is so, so important. And the reason it's important because as you speak your dreams into, into manifestation and as you speak your low points of this is what I'm feeling or I'm not feeling too confident or, hey, you know, I had a bad day today or, you know what, I don't know what's going on, but I just... I'm just uninspired or I just feel this constant sadness uh, to be able to speak your highs and your lows to people that love and respect you and are willing to listen is so important. So whether that's your family, friends, um, your chosen family, whatever that is, I think it's really important to have at least two people in your life, at least two people that you can pick up the phone and that you're able to talk to them or you could FaceTime them or you could connect with them to be able to get just sometimes, sometimes we just need a release. We just need someone to listen, just to have that so, someone to listen. I think that is so important because when we feel, when we have someone that listens to us, not only are we empowering ourselves to say, Hey, this is what I'm feeling, but also we are validating our own, own emotions of this is what's going on. And this is my form of release. It's one of the many ways to release. Let's talk a little bit about COVID because you had a baby during COVID. You're in a field that usually requires you to be on set. Yeah. I mean, how is your work life, your personal life? How's your mental health coping during this time? Um, I really had to do a lot of uh, dealing with my anxiety, dealing with my anxiety with COVID because having a baby in a pandemic was really, really tough. But then also learning how to be in a healthy relationship, teaching myself that this was a healthy relationship and not falling back on my triggers understanding what my triggers was, was a big stretch for me. Um, and then also becoming a mom at 40 under a pandemic was quite a learning experience because not only did I have better health, um, but now I was pregnant and in a healthy relationship during a pandemic, not knowing what the outcome was going to be and being in quarantine and just business changing, the way that you work on set changing from, you know, working from home and setting up and how to, you know, how to deal with the emotions and at the same time with the stress. So it's definitely, definitely been a journey, but I think the triggers there were more stress of the unknown. It was just stress of the unknown and figuring out, and still we're in that same position where we don't know where things are going, but things have, you know, things have changed. Things have changed in the way that, that I work. And now having a, you know, a little one at home, um, I have to look at, you know, what that's taught me. And it's taught me to become more present, more grateful, more connected. Um, and again, more in tune now more than ever because of the pandemic and being at home, more in tune with my mental health. A lot of people are struggling because whether it's finances, disconnect of personal relationships, um, being faced with reality of where they're at, there's a lot of people struggling with, with mental health, with their emotions of the unknown. So I can completely understand, you know, that side of it, but it allows us also to take personal responsibility that if that's something that you, that you swept under the carpet, it's time to pay attention and to start doing that, that self-work. So Rosie, I don't know if people really understand the magnitude of the mental health toll of COVID. I mean, it's not just the fear of the virus, but it's the loss of jobs and homes, the increase we're seeing in substance abuse and domestic violence. Are you hearing about that in your community? What do you think the impact truly is? Well, we're, and you know what you're you're seeing a lot of right now, and it's and it's. I mean, you watch the news, you see everything that's going on, and you hear from family and friends of people that that they know what's either the alcohol that they're drinking because they need to suppress the emotions. They don't know how to deal with the anxiety, um, the physical and verbal abuse in relationships because people didn't deal with because they were so busy working. Now they're stuck at home, working from home and kids are present. Um, they don't know how to deal with those emotions. So you hear of all these relationships falling apart, going through divorce and, and people don't know how to tolerate, you know, 
the unknown of what COVID has caused, not just when it comes to, to sickness, but the financial impact, the, the family impact, um, your spousal impact. And I think also one of the, another trigger financially, like finance, uh, you know, not, not having finances or the unknown of, you know, losing your job and not knowing where your job is going to go or what's going to happen next has impacted people like devastatingly, like things that people have done. You watch the news on how people are reacting and how it's, it's just, it's completely sad. And, and, and who's helping like this is where where we really need to acknowledge how much mental health plays a huge role in this that we need to address you know how do you how do you feel about the impact almost of the mental health side of the vaccine because you know there's some people who are really hopeful for the future but there's others that are really more nervous and stressed how how do you think the vaccines impacting mental health um, I think I think the vaccine, I mean, a lot of people want to get the vaccine and knowing that the, there's not enough vaccine or they're not moving quickly enough or, you know, there's just, I feel that there's such an anxiety. And, and, and the thing is, the more you watch the news, I, I feel like the more it creates anxiety. And I think for me, when it comes, I don't know. I don't know when it comes to the vaccine. I don't know how I feel about it. I think that's the honest truth. And just to be able to say that, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I think right now it's just coping that that we want this to come to an end and we want to protect like I want my parents to be protected. That's my biggest for me. That's my biggest anxiety is just making sure that they're protected. And hopefully, hopefully we could figure out what's going to happen in the future and stay positive about it. But we definitely have to take action. We definitely have to take action to figure out how to bring this to an end and keep our loved ones safe and protected. We, we hear a lot in the media from people of color who are very fearful of the vaccine. Do you think the Latin community specifically has reservations about the vaccine? And do you think that's more mental or physical or historical? What do you think that is? Um, I think there's a lot of fear cre created just by watching the news and how we're being educated that the Latino and African-American community are, being, are highly impacted by COVID on the way that they're reacting to the to the virus. Not only, you know, the first part of the virus, now the mutation of the virus, how how it's 30%, you know, more um, deadlier. And you hear the numbers of how, you know, Latinos and the African-American are are reacting to this and the, the, the risk of death is so much higher. Um, so I think just just listening to that creates a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. And I think not knowing not knowing what to do with that information creates a lot of anxiety. The unknown of what what's the action plan? We don't have someone like consistently guiding us. This is what you should be doing. We know that we're supposed to be wearing masks. We know that we should stay six feet away. Everybody has that basic information. But then how do I protect my loved ones? What and then you hear the horror stories of the vaccine, like you see the news come out with horror stories of the vaccine, and then you see some people getting the vaccine, and then the long waits for the vaccine for others. It's it's just a hot mess that really places you in this in this anxiety of the unknown. And if we just had directive of that, and then had the resources for that available, where they're talking about it on the news more consistently, I think it'd be it'd be a different reaction. I really think I don't think that they talk. I think they talk more about the fear and the stress and the repercussions of that rather than, all right, this is how we're going to help. And this is what the resources that were, and this is why a lot of Latinos don't know that these resources exist because nobody's really talking about them. Nobody's creating that conversation. This and this is, the, this is what you can do for your community. I know you and I have talked about, you know, a lot of the reasons that Latinos are fearful of, of accessing mental health, right? You, you talked a little bit about um, maybe we're not documented or maybe we don't have access to uh, resources, financial resources. Do you feel like that's also relevant in this conversation? Because I know that, you know, when it comes to the vaccine, most health systems aren't going to charge for it, right? And government entities aren't going to charge for it. But I still think there seems to be this kind of hesitancy or fear. What, what do you think is really driving that part? When it comes to the vaccine, I think understanding the resources, people are losing their jobs. So when they think of vaccine, they think they're going to pay for it. They're really not letting people know that here are these resources. This is how you could receive the vaccine. I think that really plays a huge part in the Latino community, not knowing that the resources, number one, that the resources are there. Number two, being financially stable. I mean, that's a big, big stress. Um, and, and how your body is going to react to the vaccine. There's just, there's so many unknowns. So I think that plays a huge part uh, mentally. Um, and 
it plays a huge part whether the people are gonna make that decision to show up for the vaccine. Do you personally have any fear of the vaccine? It's such a tough question to answer. Why? Because personally, I do. I do have fear of the vaccine. Um, I know that they're rolling it out. And I mean, ju just, I mean, I just, I check the number, like where, because there's a website that you could go and check to see where I would land when I would be able to get the vaccine. And there's like so many, like millions and millions of people before me. So that it's like, hmm, it's good, definitely going to be a while. And I completely understand that. But then the second is like, how is my body going to react? How is my body going to react? I don't know how my body's going to react. Did they have enough time testing? Like, there's all these questions that pop up. Like, you know, well, if it's good, it's good. That's wonderful. I'm protected. And then you start seeing the news that there's like new variants of the of of, of COVID. Am I going to be protected with that vaccine? So there's there's a little bit of anxiety when it comes to making that decision um, of what's right for each individual person and what their background is. And I have, I mean, I have several allergies and stuff like that that I deal with. So. I just a little bit worried. Yes, there's a little bit of anxiety around that. So what what would you say or what advice would you give to somebody in your your community that is concerned with getting the vaccine? Oh, my goodness. The advice that I would give that would be honest and authentic from my perspective, I think just educate yourself, um, have an open mind, educate yourself, know, know the allergies, know your medical background um, before making that decision. And everything is good. Um, and you don't have any issues. I think talk to your talk to your doc talk to your doctor if you have one. Um, look for resources. I think there's so many resources right now. It's I think it's just a time where we've got to really learn to be to to be go getters and look for the information and really educate ourselves before we make that decision. Agree. I really do think it's education, and I think it's being willing to ask the questions. You know, um, we have a, a website, providence.coronavirus.org, and you can actually get all the information about the vaccine there. And it's it's getting updated daily because you're right; it does change daily, right? There's mutations, there's changes, there's new vaccines coming in, there's people pulling out of the vaccine market. Like, if you're not current, I don't know how you wouldn't have anxiety. So, like today, I woke up to the news, and I'm I'm up early. I'm up early. I'm an early riser, and I watch the news because I like to stay informed. There's a time where I just have to turn off the news because I'm like, all right, I've 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 gotten everything that I need to get. But today, there was now there's an African mutation, um, and then there's a UK mutation, and then they have a new company doing a vaccine, and then some people, you know, you see that they're taking care of the elderly. They're figuring out how to take care of the elderly, which I think is so important. Um, but still, there's there's so many questions on there's so many questions on that you know on on what the vaccine is going to do if it really is working if it's not and I think just getting educated and staying up to date I think that's the best thing that you could do as of this point because I think a lot of us you know we're not educated to ask the question um, or not so much educated we're just not you know influenced to ask the question or we don't know where to ask the question and the people that we don't do ask they're not educated. They're just, they have, Hey, just don't do it. Or just, or, or they're like, yeah, go do it. Or where do I go to get it? Or what can this cause? I mean, just having the resources to be able to ask or read, or maybe that, you know, when you read, you're going to find out so many things that you didn't know about it. If somebody came to you and said that they were feeling overwhelmed or they were struggling with mental health right now, what advice would you give them? Um, the advice that I would give them is that their emotions are valid, what they're feeling is valid. That's number one, because I have learned, I have learned on how many people, how people are so quick to invalidate your emotions. Um, number two is start writing what you're feeling. I think that's really, num that's really, really important. And the biggest one of all, have the courage to seek help, online resources, make the call, Look and educate yourself. Look for information about what you're feeling on what you're dealing. And I think it's just, I think the biggest step is just have the courage to reach out. Have the courage to reach out and look for that information and have the courage to listen. And don't be afraid that when you do find the information, to take the next step, to follow up, to follow up. What can I do? Who can I connect with? Where can I go? Um, asking quality questions will get you quality answers. But there's no better, there's no better way of creating success and transformation and taking personal responsibility as getting knowledge and taking action. Get the information, take action. Take action in a positive, loving way with you, where you are seeking help, where you are seeking knowledge 
and you're doing something with it. Because just to seek is not enough. You got to take action and personal response, take personal responsibility for your life. You're worthy of it. Your emotions are valid. Transformation you are capable of, but you got to do the work. Rosie, you are fabulous. That's like the perfect way for me to then direct people to worktobewell.org slash wellness resources, because that's exactly where they can get started. So thank you for, for joining us today, Rosie. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And everybody's listening. I just hope that the biggest takeaway they take from this conversation is that transformation is a personal responsibility. Um, be the invitation of light to others. Have compassion. Have self-love. And have the courage to love yourself enough to take action and mm -hmm. and 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 deal and take a look inward. Don't be afraid of what you're feeling. Do not be afraid. Face it. And if you don't like what you're feeling or you're struggling with what you're feeling, look for the resources. Ask for the help. Have the courage to ask. Thank you to Rosie Mercado for joining us today. For all of you wanting to learn more about these free mental health resources we talked about, you can visit worktobewell.org. That's work, the number two, B-E-W-E-L-L.org. And make sure to follow us on social media at Providence Health System on Facebook and on Instagram and under Providence on Twitter. Thanks for listening. 